Welcome back, everyone, to episode 58 of the Minot Business Podcast presented by Bennett Creative Media. I'm your host, Easton Bennett. And before we get started, if you have not already, please rate and review the show. It only takes five seconds to leave a rating and review, and it really helps spread the word to new audiences and attract new guests for you guys each week. On the show today, we have Ann Olson. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I am doing fantastic. Like we were just talking about, it's the Tuesday after Labor Day, so it's kind of a Monday. It's a Monday. But but we're getting through it. So, and for the people that have no idea what you do, if you had to give them an elevator pitch or you saw my grocery store, what would you tell people uh, that you do? So I am the owner of Hilltop Farm. We are a small produce and baked goods farm uh, south of Delax, North Dakota, so not very far away. We're a member of Minot Farmers Market, and then I'm also a local foods coordinator for Strength and ND. Okay, so you're doing a lot. You're a doing lot. a lot. And yeah. we're, we're going to dive into that. Uh, yeah. It's funny when we were having our little conversation beforehand about scheduling the podcast, you're like, oh, we're kind of into lax. Does that count? And I'm like, yep, let's do it. You know, anything in the surrounding area of Minot. Um, so if there's anybody out there that's, you know, maybe you're in Burlington or Delax, yeah. and you're like, oh, can we, can we come on the podcast? You sure can come on the podcast and is a perfect example. Right. So let's dive into, before we get into... Uh, the strength and ND and the other activities that you have going on. Let's talk yep. about Hilltop Farms. What's the origin story of that? You know, take us back in time. Tell us the story of Hilltop Farms. Absolutely. So in 2016, I had one-year-old twin boys. Okay. And I was a zoo vet actually at the Roosevelt Park Zoo. So I'm a veterinarian also on top of everything else. I still do some cattle work and bison work here and there. So part-time for Schaefer Vet Service. But I decided, you know, this isn't really working. I want to be home with my kids more. And so I ended up leaving that job, which I thought I was probably going to be at for the rest of my life. Yep. And life changes, you know, things happen. And so it was a good uh, transition. Then I thought, well, what could I do? I don't know if I can be at home all day long with the kids and, you know, got to do something creative. What can I do to maybe make a little income and get out and see people? And that's kind of where the garden market garden started. Okay. And my uncle has been market gardening since 1976. So he's so what is market? What is market gardening for the people that don't know? So market gardening is kind of just a term for we're going to be producing vegetables and fruits and whatever, and maybe baking and canning. And we're going to take it to farmer's market and we're going to offer it for sale. So we're not just gardening for ourselves, which we've always done at our farm, but we're going to now offer it to others for sale. So, okay. So then four generations, I was doing a little bit of creeping on you. Is that factual? Yeah. Well, so actually my kids will be fifth generation. Okay. So the farm started in the early 1900s when my Uh, My great grandparents uh, moved there and my grandma was actually born on the farm. Oh, really? And then they made a couple moves. They still kept the land in the family. And then she ended up uh, getting married and moving back to the original farm place. Uh, Her her and her husband uh, put a house on there and a barn and had some cattle and had six kids. And she was a wonderful gardener. So I wish she was still around to kind of share this journey with me, but she named it Hilltop Farm. So in 1947, uh, she was standing there. They were getting the the story goes, I guess the family lore is that she was standing there looking to the east and we're kind of where the hills start uh, west of Minot. And she could, she said, I can see everything from here. I can see Minot. So yeah. she named it Hilltop Farm. So that's the that's the story behind the farm name and yeah, the rest is history. So, okay. Yeah. That's what I was yeah. going to ask where the origin of the name came from. That's mm-hmm. one of my 
favorite things to ask people like business owners like how did you come up with your name because i always like to hear different stories of it me i just slap my name on there and then pick media but uh it's interesting to see where those names come from so you then have you always been interested in the farming industry or when did you kind of get into this because obviously four generations you have to have some sort of experience with it but were you always like man i want to work in the farming industry my mom and dad have a conventional farm so they raise uh grains and uh, sunflowers and things like that on their farm and my sister farms with them and that side of things i'm not very mechanically inclined so i thought oh i'd love to stay on the farm i was involved in 4-h and ffa and did all of that, went to school again to be a veterinarian, just loved animals. So um, when I was a kid, I kind of always joked that I hated being in the garden. My dad was, that was our job, like get out there and weed the garden. It's probably just something to keep us busy and out of his hair. Get out Um, of the living room. (laughs) Get out and go weed the garden. And I was like, I'm never going to have a garden ever again. Now we have an acre, about an acre full of produce. So here we are. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. How big of a garden then? Cause it's different than a conventional farm where you have right. a ton of acres. Yeah. This is, so you have one acre. Yeah. And okay. we have two, actually three separate gardens this summer. And so combined they are close to an acre. So, okay. So then Hilltop farms from 1947, you said, is that mm-hmm. when it was? Yeah. So 1947 to today, how has that evolved and changed from what you know? Right. So the conventional farm has expanded because it needed to grow to accommodate more families. And my grandpa actually passed away in 1969. So my dad left college and came home to farm and take care of his mom. And he had a couple siblings still at home. They got rid of the dairy cows, got some pigs. So he's done a whole lot of different things. And he's kind of my inspiration for that, like, okay, something isn't working or let's pivot and try something new. And he's always learning. He's never not He's always uh, trying to find the next best thing or um, trying to just change and learn and do things better. Maybe not the next best thing is maybe not the right term, but to say he's never afraid to ask questions and learn and make his farm operation better. Okay. So is he still working in the business today or is he kind of passed it on to you or what is that dynamic like working together? He is still very active and my husband jokes that in the spring when we're planting the garden, he just kind of stands back and lets us argue kind of yep. <laughs> um, about what are we going to plant here and how are we going to do this? And he's, he's really helpful. I couldn't do it without him. So he's actually helped us, uh, given us a piece of land that we can garden on. And then he has another garden too on his, we're right next to each other. We're neighbors. We live yep. right next door. Um, and my mom helps a lot to kind of to get those gardens ready for the season. So then your product offerings, 1947, were you growing and producing the same things that you are in 2023? They probably were growing very similar produce because they were feeding their family. Uh, We just did a bunch of family history, talked to aunts and uncles, and that's, you know, we grew what we needed to eat and we didn't go to the grocery store. We raised chickens and eggs and we don't have that now. We're getting into that. My three-year-old is starting a chicken operation soon. Uh, So stay tuned for that. We'll have him on the podcast. We'll have him on the podcast. (laughs) He would gladly talk to you. Um, But I'm sure that they grew a lot of the similar vegetables. And and that's where my uncle learned it. And when he started, he's still at the market to this day with his daughter. Okay. So let's go into some of your other activities then. Mm -hmm. You mentioned Strength and ND. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So two years ago, I took a part-time position with Strength and ND out of... um, kind of based out of Minot, but throughout all of North Dakota. 
And we are all for helping rural communities grow and flourish and prosper. And part of that project is to see how can we help local producers, like local food producers, whatever they're doing, uh, really expand and learn. And how can we get people back on the land? You know, you see a lot of abandoned farmsteads throughout North Dakota. And what could we do to maybe some of those that are available might have access to water and electricity and people are willing to sell them can we repopulate some of these communities, get people back? Um, with this advent of a lot of us can work from home doing different things. Yep. Could you also have a side business where you grow fruits and vegetables and you can jellies and jams and mm-hmm. you sell them to your community? Whether it's your school, your market, you know, some people are shipping all over the United States with Pride of Dakota. Yeah. How do we promote that? And so part of my project and that has been kind of figuring out where our producers at, what are the resources? We have a lot of resources across North Dakota now on online, NDSU Extension, farms. There's lots of other groups that really are helpful. But we are in the process of opening an incubator farm in Baldwin, North Dakota, in conjunction with a private owner. They own the greenhouse there. And we're going to be opening an incubator farm for students so they can actually farm on the site and there will be five per year is our hope. And we'll be opening those applications this fall and that they're going to receive hands-on training in all the steps of, okay, how do you name your business? How do you oh, that's cool. register it? How do you pick your plants that you're going to grow? How do you grow them? And how do you harvest them? So, you know, when I did this and I started, I, my first summer, by the time I realized I didn't have enough vegetables, it's too late, right? Like yeah. a really short growing <laughs> season. So... I was like, what can I do? Uh, I don't have a few cucumbers, have a few beets. This doesn't really accumulate to a lot or amount to a lot. Yeah. So I started doing drop donuts. So, you know, those kind of things, like I wish maybe I would have had that guidance when I started. So what is that? Drop Drop donuts. Yeah. So those are like old fashioned, drop them into frying oil and, um, Oh, oh, okay. Donuts. Gotcha. Yeah. Like you were, you were selling those. I was selling those. Okay. So. I was like, I thought that was like some sort of farming technique <laughs> no. or growing technique. No. I was like, what is that? Uh... Those are just a way to lure people to the table yep. to buy your vegetables. But, <laughs> okay, cool. So anyway, we did those for a couple of years, but that was just one of those things in recognizing, okay, we're either done for the season or we need to find something else to bring to the market table. And so those are the kinds of things we want to kind of coach and help people along with to know um, and every year is so different. Growing conditions are different. You might get hailed out. You might not get enough rain. Yeah. Who knows? And but what can you do to say, OK, well, everybody at the market has tomatoes this year and they're not selling. Well, Maybe I should make salsa and then I can sell that value added product. OK. Make a little bit more money. Yeah. With it. So those are the kind of things that we want to take wide experiences from a lot of growers and producers and and teach others. So. so was that your original thought of why you wanted to take that position was to help the farming industry and help with these? Is it a scholarship, did you say, for the it's, five students um, or is, is it kind of like a program? It's kind of like an internship program okay. more or less. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. is that the reason you just kind of wanted to promote this industry a little bit more or why did you decide, hey, let's let's uh, start working with Strength and ND? I saw the application on Megan's Facebook uh, page, the post, and I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. And I really wasn't looking for another job because like I said, I'm still doing some vet work. We've got mm-hmm. three little boys. Um, but it was kind of intriguing to me in the past. I've helped with marketing and promotion for Minot Farmers Market. Just really love working with other producers. And so I'm like, let's just see what happens. And so here we are. Yeah. So what do you do with Monarch Farmers Market then? You said you helped out with that a little bit too? Yeah. In the past, I've been 
just help with promotion and marketing. Thankfully, now we've hired an actual marketer. Okay. So because they don't really teach you that in vet school, how to market nope. vegetables or market anything really. So um, kind of just hit or miss, but it was something, hey, I'm willing to help and try. So yeah. um, that's kind of how that started. But yeah, we've really evolved. We have a huge market. We have over 40 vendors. We have vendors of the day. We're in Oak Park three days a week during the summer. And we're talking about even expanding some of our time at the market next summer. So Okay. That's pretty cool. So yeah. then as far as the farmer's market goes on your end, being a vendor, mm-hmm. has Hilltop Farms always been a farmer's market vendor or goer? Or when did that start? In 2016 was our first year. And then we've gone every summer since. And in the first couple of years, we were able to be there more. So we were able to be there three days a week. Uh, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. And then once the kids got a little bit busier, life kind of changes. We have cut back some. We have done the CSA program, which is a community-supported agriculture program. And so uh, we would offer a basket kind of like this to Mm -hmm. our customers, and we would have them sign up ahead of the season. And we had at one time probably about 25 people per summer. And then they'd come down to market, pick up their basket for the week. And go on their way. So. so so how did you see the community engagement with that with that program then? It was great. It was really good. And I wish that we had the time right now to continue that. When my kids get a little bit older, they're starting to take an interest in the farmer's market. I have eight-year-old. The twins are eight years old right now, and they're starting to come to market. They bake, and they sell things at market. And okay. they're kind of learning about how to make some money, and they like that. So yep. um, once they're able to help more, I think we'll go back to offering something like a CSA or there's some other ideas that some other really great producers we have in our area have about maybe a multi-producer CSA program where you get items from multiple producers. So not one producer has to do all of the lifting and the work. So, okay. Yeah. That was going to be my next question. So you, you talk about the CSA, you talk about, you know, the farmer's market. Mm-hmm. Are those the main two avenues where these producers are making money or what are the different avenues that people can go? If, you know, maybe someone listening to this, like I want to start something like this, what are the avenues that they can start generating revenue? Yeah. So you can also do orders. We do direct orders like pickling cucumbers, um, tomatoes, people order in bulk, and then we have to meet up with them or find a place to drop them off. Uh, producers that are in Minot or in a bigger town or people that bake can do like a porch pickup and drop off, which is a little bit easier. Okay. Um, there's some other co-ops around the state. Red River Harvest Co-op in Fargo has really taken off and doing a great job. Um, they have a website and we've worked with some of their producers just to see how things are going and visit with them to get ideas. And you can place your order online and then you have a pickup location in Fargo at same location. They have a little warehouse. And yeah, you kind of custom order your groceries and pick them up every week. Yeah. So So instead of going to the the Walmart speed, Mm -hmm. whatever, where they bring it out to your car, you can do the same thing for produce. Exactly. And so there's, you know, hopes that we could get some more of that going across the state. Um, You know, it takes a location and it takes a lot of teamwork and a lot of effort to get some of that going. But, um, you know, when someone starts doing it, it's successful it's nice to, and they're willing to teach you and to tell you how things are working or not working. Yeah. And hopefully we can replicate some of that across the state. There's also farm to school efforts, which we're trying to kind of help producers get involved in, in the area. Um, in our area, we're under first district health unit. So we have a producer license requirement. So to sell into a restaurant or a school okay. um, or a grocery store, we would need one of those. So personally, I'm in the process of, of doing that and trying to get that completed 
the Strength and ND, we also had a couple of workshops this summer for producers to kind of let's start these conversations. And First District's been good about coming to them as well and helping yeah. answer questions. So. so that's pretty much like putting the produce that the kids are having in school instead of coming from some big right. conglomerate, it's coming from local producers. Yes. That's super cool. Yeah. So I think that helps community all the way around. It does. So 2016, I want to go into that. That was when you started doing the farmer's market. Yep. Why did you decide to do that? Uh, I think I, again, just needed something to do and that, um, you know, I can do this job and be home with my kids and see them more and they can be involved. And that has happened. It's really grown into a great business. And like I said, we're not as at market as much as we used to be. Okay. Um, and so you see a little bit of that continuity. You need to be there consistently to keep your customer base. And so we still have really great market days and we're so thankful for our customers and we're able to reach out on social media and say, Hey, we're coming to market today. This is what we're bringing. Um, you know, and that really does, you hear people say, Oh, I saw this on Facebook and I came down just to get this at farmer's market. So, um, that is nice, but it was, and it's been a really great business and meeting a lot of people. A lot of my CSA customers are friends now, or, you know, you see them and you visit with them and you get to know their families. They get to know our family and it's a family business. So I'm never going to be in the tractor um, or the combine harvesting on our family farm, but I can grow some produce. And so I can be a part of our family farm in that way. Okay. So then going into the farmer's market a little bit more, what is the lead up look like? So let's say you have the farmer's market on Tuesday. What is, I assume you're doing all of this stuff on Monday to get prepared mm -hmm. and prepped for Tuesday. What does that look like? Is it stressful? Do you gotta, you know, what <laughs> yeah. is that like? Yeah. And that is part of why we kind of have to pick and choose when we're coming to market strategically around our other life plans. Um, because it is for us, it's about a 12 hour prep time to really? go to one farmer's market. Oh, yeah. Wow. So, you know, what the public sees or what our customers see is those, those three hours at farmer's market, nine to noon or four to seven on a Tuesday. And, you know, they may not see the backside when we're picking vegetables, washing, prepping, baking, yeah, you know, labeling our jars and running around like crazy trying to get it all all put together. So It's always the back end of businesses that I think people, they don't purposely gloss over them, but right. it's just something they don't think about where there is a yeah. lot of time that goes into it. Yeah. And that has, it was an eye opener for me for sure. And when my kids were really little, I would stay up in the middle of the night and bake, or I'd get up at 3am and make donuts and don't do that as much anymore, <laughs> but, um, and I don't have to now, but yeah, it's definitely a big commitment. 12 hours. Yeah. That's, that's, I, I wouldn't have even thought that like that shocked yeah. me, like even hearing that there, uh, you talked a little bit about meeting your CSA customers and being consistent with going to the market allows for a more loyal customer base. How does the word of mouth impact your business? I definitely have that as well, like with our cucumbers. So people like to make their own pickles in Minot and across the state too. Um, they've got their family recipe, their grandma's recipe or whatever that they mm -hmm. want to make their own pickles. And that's awesome. So they'll come to me at market and they'll order a hundred pounds of pickling cucumbers for the Oof. season. And so then they'll tell their friends and they'll say, Hey, can I add 50 more pounds on or someone else will come and pretty soon you're having to say, wait, like, let me fill yeah. these and then we'll see how we are. Cause I can't control. You how know. much is a hundred pounds? What do you deliver that in? It's a lot of cucumbers. So <laughs> I was going to say that's a lot like of cucumbers. Yeah. It's, it's a few bags for sure. So probably four big grocery bags, four or five big. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. That'll do it. Grocery bags. Yeah. So in some of those, I kind of have to say, okay, I'll bring these to you over a course of a couple of weeks. So yeah, yeah. I can't just give you a hundred pounds today. Yeah. I'm a fan of pickled cute, like homemade Mm -hmm. pickles too. My dad used to always make them in the big uh, vanilla ice cream pails. Yeah. He's like, yep, those got to sit in the garage for two weeks or yep. whatever it is. So um, wait. Yep. exactly. So f- let's pivot a little bit now into the produce. Mm-hmm. Do you have like a flagship product, you know, a staple that you're kind of known for? Um, I'd say our pickling cucumbers are one. We usually have some pretty nice beets. I'm not a huge beet fan myself, yep. but, um, we have some chioga beets they're called. They're a sweeter variety. And so we have a lot of people that come down and get those from us. Um, our cookies, we bake a couple just different kinds of cookies. One of my kids uh, got a big purple ribbon at the fair this year for his cookies. So okay. um, the other one bakes special banana muffins. So like it's crazy to me and it's wonderful that customers will come down and say, does Weston have any of his muffins today? Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you bake today? And so those are things that people come down for. We make sauerkraut every year. So we have that as well. And yeah. That's kind of our biggie. that's awesome that the yeah. that your kid is like he's becoming people are yep. searching out for him. So then when yes. he takes over with the fifth generation, they're gonna be like, I've been buying cookies from you yeah. since you were like five years <laughs> right. old. Yeah. No, that's super cool. Um, all right. So before we get into any more questions, let's hear from this week's sponsor, Midco. Is your business moving up and to the right? Put Midco's business technology to work for you so you never have a slow day at the office. From premium internet and phone plans to custom private networking and advertising. They have a solution for every type of business, large or small. Get paired with an account representative to create your suite of services and make the switch with ease with dedicated business client fulfillment and support teams. No data caps, flexible contracts with month-to-month or long-term options, built-in DDoS protection, and more. Explore services and request a free consultation at midco.com business today. Okay, and so let's get back into the questions. We were talking before this, talking a little bit about Strength and ND, and you mentioned that you had a couple interns uh, that have been brought on. Was it just this year? Yes. Okay. So this yeah. year was the first year. Tell me a little yeah. bit about that. Uh, what did that whole program and process look like for bringing those interns on? Yeah. So we knew we were preparing for this um, incubator farm and we would have interns down the road and what our program would roughly look like. And then last spring, last winter, I had an FFA instructor reach out and say, Hey, I've got this, this guy who is, he's graduated out of high school and he was an FFA and he's looking to start a produce business. Would you be willing to talk to him? Okay. Not even knowing anything about what we're, what we're working on currently. So we kind of took him under our wing and started working with him. His name is Cole Foster. So he's doing raw milk and he's doing produce and things like that. And he, uh, we kind of just worked with him through the winter and the spring say, here's what you need to do. Make sure you're getting signed up for a farmer's market et cetera, et cetera. And now he's vending at farmers, mine at farmers market this summer. Okay. And then we also had, um, Esther's acres. I don't know if you follow her on Facebook, yep. Desiree Carlson. She's yep. amazing. So, so she's actually going to come on the podcast Perfect. later, later this month awesome. or early next month. So Good. yeah, she's, she's awesome. She is awesome. And so she did a podcast for strength and ND. Um, they just visited with her a little bit about her farm and her sustainable egg and renewable egg projects. And what they're doing with their family farm. And so I reached out to her. I said, hey, like we're doing this little kind of rough draft of an internship program. If you need anything, I've done a CSA before. Yeah. Please let me know if you need anything. And so now that started a really great relationship and friendship. And 
She's actually going to be coming on board with Strength and ND too to help with our um, incubator farm okay. soon here. So uh, she just has a really great knack for social media and for educating others. And I think that it's just a beautiful gift that she has to share. So we've been working with them on their produce farm, just kind of help here and there. Uh, we did a project in conjunction with Launching Leadership. It's a project okay. uh, program for nine through 12 year olds. Um, nine, excuse me, nine through 12 graders. Yep. Um, and then also with the local 4-H club that my kids are in, the Dakota Stars. And we got a grant from um, NDSU Extension to do a, a produce garden. And we did it on our farm this spring. And then we ended up, um, Esther's Acres grew the produce plants, starts for us. The kids planted them. Um, and then through the summer, we're going to be donating now that the produce is ready, donating it to a, um, we're probably looking at project B taking okay. the produce to, and then having the kids help harvest and kind of do the follow-up on that end. So, That's cool. um, she's just such a huge community supporter and really great. And she's doing well at farmer's market as well. And then last fall, last year, I took the co-starters program. Yep, um, and that's, that's that downtown at the Carnegie Center? Downtown right? at the Carnegie Center okay. through um, the Minot Chamber of Commerce. Mm -hmm. And so I took that because I thought, you know, there's probably times that I have glossed over a lot of important things because <laughs> yeah. I just started this business maybe more as like a hobby, something to do. I need to start treating it like a business. And what can I pick up to help teach my interns about okay. business in, in this field? So I took that class and then later Mark uh, from Chamber reached out to me and said, hey, I have this grower. Her name is Vanessa and she wants to do garlic and she's in she was in the spring class. Mm -hmm. So she's now the third farmer's market vendor that we have and that we're kind of helping to guide um, through their first growing season. So that's super cool that it's almost co like collaboration because in business, sometimes there's competition where it's like, well, I got to mm -hmm. sell mine before you say, and, and yep. it's better when you look at it as collaboration. Yes. Moving forward with these uh, internships and these partnerships, what do you envision that to be in two, three, four, five years? I see a lot of really great things in that. Yeah. There's competition at farmer's market. Obviously some of us are selling the same thing. We'd like to go home with less of it than what we came with because we don't want to go home and do something with it. Um, and you have to have that competition, but you also have to have the collaboration. You have to have all these vendors there together, or you're not going to get as many customers. You're not going to get as many shoppers. That's what your goal is. You want to draw in people and bring in new people from to shop there and shop from all of your booths, not just one. Mm -hmm. And so that's something I see in this great group of producers. They're excited to learn. They're willing to ask questions and go see things and tour other farms and expand their knowledge. And that's where I see maybe some sort of Minot local food hub or um, a co-op or that um, multi-producer CSA happening where there's producers that are willing to work together to make yeah. their businesses better. That's yeah. cool. The I like the idea of the multiple person CSA because mm -hmm. that's the one when I talked to Desiree, I, it was months ago. That yeah. was her thing. She said, oh, yeah. we're starting the CSA. And she gave me the rundown of what it was. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's super cool. I've never heard of that being done. Maybe that's just being naive or just being yeah. young, but whatever it is, uh, it's cool if you could do a partnership where different yeah. producers are joining in on that. Has that ever yes. happened before in Minot or other places? Um, we did. When we did our CSA, we would try to bring in other producers. We had a mushroom grower at the time. We would say, okay, we're going to do a bison burger from our bison vendor and okay. we're going to do mushrooms and we're going to have this from our, 
onions and we're going to do a mushroom Swiss burger, bison burger. So we would try to do things like that, provide recipes, like bring in other vendors. And maybe there were weeks we didn't have enough. So we would bring in um, someone else's items or mm-hmm. our neighbor 7S beef. We'd bring in there um, a roast or a steak or something like that. So, um, so just on a very small basis, um, we've done it before, but this is all Desiree coming up with this. So I'm going to let her, when she comes on the show, talk about it in more detail. Um, but it's just great to see, uh, producers working together. It's really wonderful. Yeah. And going back to the collaboration, you can't produce everything. Whereas you partnering with these different producers is only going to amplify that product. But yes, we'll get into that uh, when she comes on the show. Challenge-wise, is there anything that came up, any big challenges that came up over the years that you had to overcome? Um, I think the weather. We had a couple years, one year in particular, really bad drought. So we were watering constantly. It was kind of just keeping the produce alive or the vegetables alive. It wasn't maybe the most wonderful, bountiful year. Um, but learning to adapt in those times and, you know, conveying that to your customers that maybe this is why something doesn't look as good as it should, or this year there's been a lot of insect pressure. So, you know, how can we fix that? What can we do with it? And I think overall, just learning that when you said you can't produce it all, I've definitely tried (laughs) much of of my family. Um, yeah, my husband works long, long hours. And when he comes home and I'm like, hey, let's go dig potatoes or whatever. <laughs> um, and he's great about helping. I couldn't do do it without him. But, um, you know, that's just learning. how. What do we focus on? I think I'm finally at the point where I'm like, OK, let's just focus on a few items that we can really do well. And we can still have smaller amounts of the rest of it for us personally. But we don't have to have you don't have to everything. distribute everything. Yeah, we don't have to have all the things. So. And now that we're getting into this farm to school and produce licensing, I think that's where my heart is, is to really focus on that and see if we can make that happen. Okay. Let's get into that in a second. But as far as the weather goes, this is a personal question I've wondered on for a while. What do you do when, you know, you don't get enough rain one year or like you said, you get hailed out. What do you do in those situations? Yeah. If you get hailed out there isn't a lot you can do. You can kind of wait and see a lot of the vegetables will come back if it's not too bad. Um, but sometimes you can replant something that's a short season. That's a fall mm-hmm. growing produce item or something, or yeah, you, you're like, well, let's focus on the baked goods this year yeah. and kind of fill that gap. Um, and with the rain, we do a lot of drip tape watering. So that's watering right at the root, um, okay. and coming from our water source and goes down the tubes and just waters directly at the plant. It does save a lot of water anyway, but that's, yeah, that's how we water typically. So can you get insurance on like, if there's a dry year? Not really. Yeah. Yeah. There are now that there's more produce growers that are in local food producers, there are some programs, but, um, it's pretty expensive. And then it's more like, oh, I have eight acres of pumpkins Yeah. more than, oh, I have this smaller produce garden with a whole bunch of things. So yeah, you're kind of just at the mercy of the weather. (laughs) That's And that's one thing, North Dakota, especially, you never know know. what you're going to get right Right now. It looks like something's on fire outside for the last couple of days, but Mm -hmm. yeah, you never really know. So we talked about challenges a little bit. Uh, What about some triumphs, some wins? Is there anything that came up where you're like, man, this, this was awesome. I'm glad this happened. Our CSA program, for sure, that was a really good boost to our business, um, really helped us 
uh, to get that customer base. And yeah, they do, even though we're not offering the CSA, they still come back and shop at our table once in a while. We still see them. Um, once in a while, I'll reach out and say, Hey, I'm going to do a basket this week, uh, spur of the moment. Do you want one? And yeah. they, you know, probably will. I have one uh, customer who bought CSAs for me religiously this summer. She has her own garden and she's been sharing that with me and she's canning with her kids. And I think that's just amazing. That's yeah. the most wonderful thing to see is that she's now doing it herself and she's taking it and teaching her kids. It's um, cool to see that transformation yeah. from her purchasing the products. So she's like, I'm just going to do this myself. Right. Yeah, that's, that's super cool. Yeah. As far as um, oh, what was I going to go into? There was something really good. Oh, marketing wise. So you're talking mm-hmm. about, you know, selling the products and everything marketing yeah. wise. How do you I know word of mouth is big. You said that earlier, but how do you, you know, market mm-hmm. Hilltop Farms? Uh, mostly social media. And so, <clears throat> yeah, there's that word of mouth to say, hey, we're coming to market. But you really realistically don't have time to do that. Um, I'll let Desiree talk about her success with the email list. We don't do that. We've done just mainly Facebook and Instagram. I'll post on Instagram and then it'll post to Facebook and, you know, try yep. to get good, as good of photographs as we can, um, try to get decent pictures of things and, um, make sure we're posting what we're bringing to market ahead of time, not while we're standing there at the market and it's too late for people to come. But is that a big thing people like to know before they come? They do. It does seem to help Um, when Prairie Sky Breads, when I kind of helped with the marketing and they would post on a Friday what their list was. I mean, they'd have a a line out their booth and that's great to see. And it's because people knew or or it's kind of reminded them of, oh, yeah, farmer's market is tomorrow. This is what Travis has. I better get down there and make sure I get my bread that I want. Especially if it's limited supplies. Right. That's probably they're like, well, if he's only got eight loaves of bread, whatever it is, right. I, I better get there and get that. I better get there on time. So yeah. And then we also do fancy decorated cook sugar cookies. We kind of started that in during COVID when there wasn't anything else to do. We took some online courses and the kids and I took them. And so we do custom sugar cookies for birthdays and anniversaries yeah. and things like that. So um, that um, those are attention getters. And so you know, that kind of, and trying to post things that maybe aren't always farmer's market related. We went to a nursery in Minnesota this weekend, picked up a plant, you know, kind of a funny post of like, oh, I'm got to haul this back in the camper, you know, and um, you can, you know, fill your camper with plants when you go to this good store. So we like to promote other people's businesses to um, tag other businesses when we're at them. And yeah, it goes but, back to that know. collaboration, that right. community. Yes. I think it's kind of like I scratch your back, you scratch mine type of deal where if you're promoting other producers, you're going to reap the benefits in the end as well. Uh, Looking ahead, where do you see Hilltop Farms in the next few years? Whether it's one year, five years, 10 years, where do you see that going? Uh, My hope is that we are still doing farmer's market in whatever capacity we have, whether that's the kids kind of taking that part of it and running with it. I don't expect them to be market gardeners in 20 years. Uh, hopefully they will if they want to be, but that they learn a little bit about business in that way and running a small business and what are the costs of goods and how do they make money and what does that look like? Um, but that we're doing farm to school, that is my big goal is that we're in farm to school. If we could get into a restaurant or two, that would be really exciting, but I'd really love to see, um, us get produce licensed and then also help other producers get licensed also. So it's, multiple producers in the area that can do that as well. 
So farm to school, how does that work if the main growing season, like there's a lot of winter in North right. Dakota. How do you, yeah. how do you plan for being able to get produce to the schools year round? Well, not it, year round, but when, right. when they're in school. As much as we can. So uh, mine at Public's interested. They have a summer uh, food program for kids. So, okay. you know, it's a matching that. Okay. Could we get them cucumbers for that program? Are they willing to take potatoes in the fall? Like what are they willing to take? What can their school um, staff handle? Like they're not going to send their peeled potatoes, but they might bake potatoes for the kids. So can we be creative in how that looks and how we can extend those seasons? We have some producers with like high tunnels and greenhouses and um, there's a lettuce facility in Williston that's growing in a railroad container. So, you know, they can turn out 500 heads a week. So can we does it make sense for them to bring that to Minot to the school, you know, or to Williston or wherever. So, okay. Yeah. And we're not going to be able to fill all of their needs, especially like Minot public, but maybe some of the smaller schools in the area, we could get everything they need for their, uh, for their lunch that day. Or maybe it's just one lunch a week or something that we, but. I was going to say, if you fill all the Minot public, they got a lot of schools. They have a lot of schools. There'd be a lot of produce. Yeah. You'd be, you'd better, you'd have to start growing now. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Are you thinking you want to add any new services or any new products down the road? Uh, I think for now, we're probably just going to actually cut back um, and focus on just certain things like our potatoes, our onions. We grow about 5,000 a year, which is a little crazy, but yeah. And just focus on a few items that we really know that we can sell, like our pickling cucumbers and our sauerkraut and um, just things that we know we can move that it's worth it to put the the cost and the effort into it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So then you talked about your kid a little bit. Do you think your kids are going to want to take over the family farm? What, uh, you know, how do you keep that legacy going? I guess is my question. I certainly hope so. They'd love to farm. There's a lot of, you know, it's very complicated to get into a commercial farm. Um, the three of them, realistically, it's not big enough for them to take over. Yeah. Um, so if there's a way that they can become involved in agriculture, whether it's promoting it or it's actually growing things or whatever they're doing, um, I, I certainly hope that they, they will continue that. And I, th- I think even if they decide not to or go on a different business venture, they're learning a lot, like you said. Uh, your son's selling cookies. Like he's yeah. learning a lot for his future, which is super cool to see. Right. And only a couple more questions here for you. What would you say to people wanting to get into this specific industry? What would be your advice to them? Do your research, uh, learn about your local rules. Like in North Dakota, we have cottage food law. Um, what are your selling options in your area? You know, do you have a farmer's market? How far would you have to drive? Can you sell directly um, into a school or do you need extra licensing? Um, make sure that you're just educating yourself about your growing seasons. Be, um, don't be afraid to fail. Like your first crop might not do well and that's okay. Um, you're going to learn a lot and learn what to do next year. And every growing season is so different, but, um, just don't be afraid to ask questions of other growers and producers in your area. They're going to help you a lot. 
I think you gave me a lot of the answers I'm about to ask for, but you're an avid listener to the show. Mount Rushmore of business advice. Hopefully you saw it coming. I need four pieces of business advice. What would you say they are? I brought a list. Oh, the, oh, look at this. <laughs> <laughs> she came prepared. She's seen other people prepared. on the show go, yeah. uh, er, she, yeah. she came prepared. And I probably have covered a lot of them. But yeah, don't be afraid to ask um, for other businesses in your field. And even ones that aren't. When I did the co-starters class, I learned a lot from other businesses that had nothing to do with vegetables. So yep. um, you, you can take lot. things from them, right? Exactly. Yeah. And then um, never stop learning, you know, do your research, but then never stop learning. There's things I'm learning now that I didn't know seven yeah. years ago and or six years ago that are helping me a lot now. Uh, pivot. So if something's not working, if you're out of vegetables, you know, make the drop donuts, uh, yeah. get up at three in the morning and make those um, or bake pies or do something that will will add value to your market table or to your produce. Um, Don't just pack it and say, oh, I guess we lost. (laughs) Exactly. Don't just give up for the season. And then focus on a few items or find your niche and then promote what makes that unique and what makes you unique as a business. Yeah, cool. I like it. I'm glad you came prepared. That's super cool. Um, All right. So where can people find you? Uh, Farmer's Market. I don't know when the end of those are. I assume there's a few more here in Minot. But where can people find you? So market goes till the end of October. So Tuesday nights, four to seven, Thursdays and Saturdays, nine to noon. We're usually at Saturdays for the rest of the season. Uh, find us on Facebook, Hilltop Farm, um, or on Instagram and or stop down in the market and see us. So. There you go. Yeah. End of October. That's plenty of time to get out Lots there and check out some of the produce. We got some here in a basket for you guys yep. that are listening. You can come turn on the video quickly and see uh, the vegetables we got here. And thank you very much for coming on the show. You're welcome. Thank you. That was episode 58 of the Minot Business Podcast. Thank you guys again for listening or watching, and we will see you guys next week for episode 59.